0: I don't think anything ever tastes better than when you're hiking. Hey, Scott. Sorry about that, man. I'm trying to get a little fire going here because I got here much later in the afternoon than I wanted to. Honestly, it's not that cold. I don't really need one, but I gotta admit to being a little spooked out here. I'm back in the Cloud Village now, but they're all gone. I'm poking around the area. Even came up to their little canopy level Ewok setup. But uh, they're gone. Regardless, this seems like a good place for me to stay the night if the cavers come around. Also, the clouds have these, I guess they're personalized walking sticks that they post. A big circle around the central fire. Or at least, they've set them up at both encampments I've seen. I don't know if it's a spiritual thing or a way to just quickly monitor comings and goings, but the sticks are all gone now, too. I'm not really sure what to make of it. And things aren't scattered around, or disheveled in the way you might expect if they left in a scared hurry. Actually, hold on. I just noticed something. I saw on this big sort of pine in the center, I don't know if it's the center, but Near a cluster of what would seem like shelters, one of these trees has a, a giant mark of what looks like know, kind of looks like glossy white paint, but know, it's a little more transparent than that. I don't know, man. This doesn't mean anything to me. Actually, looking around, there's there's more trees with smears, a lot more trees with smears. God, man, could this be blood? It's so hard to do these things this way. And how am I supposed to trust a sense that slips away from my consciousness as I reach for it? All right, so, Scott, when I touch it, when I touch this transparent paint, I feel a funny sense in my head. It's like the mental equivalent of the physical feeling of, of magnets repelling, you know, when you, when you push them together. I don't know. Another confusing detail. I'll wait around for a couple hours, but I'm going to have to head back soon. I really had to move to make it here this fast. Hopefully the weather clears up for me a little bit. Respond in that time if you'd like me to do something different.
1: Ah, look who it is. Mr. Tama. Excuse me, Mr. Tama. There you are. Could you spare a minute for an interview?
2: What? No. Not now, I'm busy. I'm definitely working hard. Well,
1: must I remind you again of your contractual obligations regarding our archival efforts? Fine. Sure,
2: go ahead, remind
1: me. Thank you very much, Mr. Tama. I assure you, this will not take long. Now, I believe many would recognize this voice, even though he is often the one behind the camera. Documentarian Randy Tama.
2: Has anyone told you your voice
1: has changed? Why, yes, Mr. Tama. I told you before- You know what? Don't care. Tell them who I am, at least. Why, I did, Mr. Tama. Documentarian of Port Wallace and documentarian covering the colonization- A Planet G-159C.
2: No, you need to introduce me. Start with my bona fides.
1: Ah, I see, certainly.
2: You call me Papa. Call me
1: Papa. I would prefer not to.
2: Okay, fine. Fine, go ahead. Do your robot thing. Go ahead, please. Mr.
1: Randy Tama. Port Wallace's Documentarian. Four-time Documentarian of the Year. Winner of the Cannes Film Festival. Peabody Awardee and three-time Academy Award
2: nominee. <clears throat> Don't even get me started on the Oscars. and the, Or the Academy Awards. All of it's a big old laughy joke. Jokey joke. Nepotistic stupid hacks. Cut it out. What I said and the Academy Award part, just stop it already. Yes, very well. Anyway,
1: what is it that drew you into the mission to colonize G-159C?
2: Money. Lots of money. All expenses paid, best equipment on Earth, or wherever we are. No idiot executive producers or studios call me about dailies, and my name gets to be stamped on the biggest event in human history. Oh, really? Actually, no, don't don't use that. Um, let me think. Give me a second here. I'm here um, because it's such an honor to be a part of this historic moment. When it really comes down to it, I'm a storyteller. True stories—that's where I'm the most passionate is telling the truth. However, uh, infrequent that may happen, but a storyteller nonetheless. And this is the greatest story to tell in my lifetime and for the past. I don't know, course of human history. Everything in humanity's history has been leading up to this moment. Uh, It's an honor to be a part of it and to be, uh, well, to be the person who gets to explain this moment, document it, and uh, create something that will be studied for hundreds of years to come, if I'm lucky. And the actions of all the fantastic people here making this colony work. Um, Back to everyone on Earth. Thank you. One more question, please.
1: What is this world like, from the view behind the camera?
2: You know, foggy, fuzzy, exceptionally bright.
1: Please, Mr. Tama, this does not need to be
2: difficult. Well, first I need to say that everyone here has been fantastic in providing everything I need to be able to show this planet, the way it should be seen. This planet is incredible. I heard someone describe it as Earth-like, but at the same time, so utterly different. It's bizarre, I can't wait to share that with humanity. As far as the colony goes, I'm amazed. The people are incredible, watching their transition from the nervous excitement of setting out for the planet and the first touching down, to the realization of how alone and vulnerable we are are out here, to the realization of how alone and vulnerable we are out here, to setting in for the long haul. The level of professionalism reminds me of some of my best, most disciplined soldiers I've come across in my time. They might need to take a moment sometimes, they might need a corner to cry in, or whatever it is they may have to do in that moment of stress, but they get over it. They handle it and do whatever it is they might need to do to get it done. It's one team, everyone has each other's backs. I can't say it enough, it's amazing. It's an amazing planet, an amazing team making it possible, and I just can't wait to put this in theaters all over Earth.
1: It is good to see you emerge from the cave unharmed. I trust that your meeting went well. It wasn't too bad. We got to see what I think is their
3: inner workings, or at least some of them. I have to hand it to them, for an early stage society, they have some impressive societal works. However the attack and the territory issue do raise some troubling implications. You get the border ports,
1: right? Well, yes. Yeah, you. you know all this already. It has been my observation that humans prefer such dialogue to establish shared facts and a sense of commonality. It was not my intention to be deceptive, I assure you.
3: Huh. So, yeah, it's something to keep on the radar.
1: Within the parameters of contingency planning at the very least.
3: I would say so. I don't think it's anything that we didn't conceive of as being realistically possible. It might be easier if we didn't have any sentient potential competition. But it's not a hostile environment. How then do you plan to respond? For now, I think we're best off just focusing on preparedness and trying to learn as much about our neighbors as we can. Looking back, it seems to me that that attack and that territorial demand were too perfect. I think they were bluffing. I think they were reaching towards these extreme acts to see if they could provoke us into conceding without actually forcing us into a situation demanding violence. They don't actually do violence upon us with that attack, they just came as close as they possibly could without ever touching us. Similarly, they make it look like they're demanding territory, but they never actually outright say. I must say, it is surprising that you went at all. It had its risks, but I think we had to go. I don't think we can afford to default to a relationship of hostility and mistrust. That and as word would inevitably get out through the colony, I think that there'd be a lot of people upset that we didn't do what we could to reach out to our neighbors. And I'm not writing the territory issue here off either. I just think they're testing us. I wish we knew more about them if they actually are hyperviolent. Because at least if pre modern human civilization is any indication, we do need to be wary. I think it just has to be one
1: step at a time. Do you have any updates? Three out of four autopsies from the patrol's previous collection have been completed. All have suffered some decay, limiting insights. Anything we didn't know? All do appear to be of the swarma variety. I could present the full technical presentation if you wish. Let's keep it abridged for now. All have a substantial genetic makeup in common. A common template. From there, all of them have a number of variances. It is speculated that these variances are genetic mutations. These mutations appear to be generally responsible for their altered appearance, odd forms, and strained movements. Although we would have to receive a full caver subject to confirm this hypothesis if our understandings and assumptions are correct, all are somewhat weak and possess non-functioning sex organs. Science officer Julie pointed out that it could be significant that these Swarma types were left outside, whereas we have not come across any of the Kaver varieties left outside in a similar manner.
3: Yeah. I'd love to get our hands on a full caver, but I don't think I'm ready to authorize anything more than scouring for what's left out there for us. How are we doing on
1: armament? Engineering has made progress in such tasks. Rapid armament and turret deployment protocols are in effect. And I independently confirmed the availability of orbital capabilities. Material support can drop within 8 hours notice, while fire support can be currently ready on 10 hours notice. If you reconsider current policy on personal readiness, fire support can be available on 3 hours notice. Eyes in the sky? Nearing full deployment, however I should note, this rate of material rollout was not anticipated. My estimates suggest that terrestrial miners should be deployed within the next three weeks to avoid potential store's depletion. All sounds acceptable. Alright, I genuinely need to get some
3: rest. I'm going to fill the rest of the colony in on what's been happening tomorrow. I'm not going to talk about the attack, or the territory issue, or the autopsy stuff, but I think they need to know. They need to know the basics. Otherwise, it's an uncontainable secret that they genuinely should be aware of. You'll see the notes I'll upload either tonight or tomorrow morning before. You know, Kingatra, this almost feels normal. You more or less filling in for Wallace.
1: Oh, thank you. I believe that is a compliment. It certainly is.
0: I haven't done one of these in a while. i not even sure I'm recording them for any particular reason now. Other than just a need to speak my thoughts if only so I can hear the clutter and help myself organize this stuff. I had a lot of time to think on the hike back from the empty cloud village. I guess hiking can be a good and bad thing like that. What we're doing here is so special. I don't imagine it's lost on anybody just where we are and the romance of what this is. I don't imagine either that Many have forgotten the history of colonization, hasn't always been happy and peaceful. And all that considered, they took the news well last night. Obviously, we sort of half expected this kind of unexpected. Most of us probably even hoped we'd find sentient life forms, actually. And there was a pregnant sort of silence when we told them of how both the clouds and cavers, were the initiators of contact, though... I think that kind of agency, that kind of proactive, coordinated intelligence struck some of them with a bit of fear, and I don't blame them for feeling that. I think it's like if you're the inferior being facing aliens, whether they're altruistic or marauding and and they roll up on Earth, at least you know your place in the exchange. And I imagine that most of the colonists thought we'd be the superior beings here anyway, given the lack of any signatures you might expect from advanced societies, and in that case... We'd also know our status, or at least be in control. It's easier to know and and to respond in that scenario. This, this is confused. For myself, I- Hey,
3: look, it's Houston. And he's outside the walls. I cannot believe it. What, did you not get enough time outside before?
0: (laughs) There are aliens inside those walls, Scott. Yeah, well,
3: you've always wanted to believe. I've seen the poster on your wall. So, uh, anyway, I hear that you're speaking tomorrow.
0: I'll do some one-on-ones, too. I'm sorry again about being gone for so long, man. I'm not sure a sort of unrest that caused. I know I said this a lot in, um, in the messages, but I am sorry, and, and I know that there were some problems, and I'm glad to hear you, you kept everything under control.
3: Yeah, well, you know, it's just a few things going on all at once. Some bigger than the parts. Yeah. There's Wallace's sickness, Gangatra's breakdown and reset, Hiccups and communications and power, resource anxiety. You know, your disappearance was one of the you know, biggest sources of unrest. Or maybe, maybe no, maybe not unrest, but
0: unease. Well, that's not good. For whatever it's worth, man, I'm sorry.
3: Well, huh. You know, it's just like what strikes me out here is the lack of basic comfort. You know, I think we humans operate on a basic sort of sense of unspoken assurance that fundamentally there's a system in place in which we reside, in which we can have a semblance of ordinary life. I mean, thinking back even out on deployments to, you know, the more dangerous territories out there, you know, one always knew that there was a. A rudimentary safety net. There were people, and they might not necessarily be able to get to you if something goes wrong, but you at least have that comfort that you know that there are people looking into your state, your condition, your well-being, who will try to help you if something goes bad.
0: Yeah, that's true. Hey, you want one?
3: Yeah, sure, thanks. I don't know, I mean, our terrestrial mining for, for you know, for all the basic kinds of I don't know, metals and construction materials that just aren't worth bringing down from space. And that's not up yet. And it's not supposed to be up yet, but everyone knows that vulnerability. I mean, I have to imagine for the people within engineering, within materials, they know that every bit, every little pallet that's taken out of storage is something that we can't replace yet. And just all these little changes that pick at that tiniest thread of normalcy
0: well again um for whatever it's worth the uh the absence of the minister couldn't have helped so I, i am sorry
3: yeah well and for one i think there is value in having someone who has reached out with the clouds and also you know don't feel too special i mean last week there was nearly a brawl in the mess when the coffee machine broke down and I heard there was a riot in building A over a missing charger.
0: That's entirely understandable. Scott, how do we miss this, man? And we were so cautious in surveying the planet, gathering information about the landscape, studying microbes, anchoring ourselves and not just the bare bones fundamentals of this place. To be thrashed about now in the the churning froth of whatever seems to be going on between the clouds and cavers is Cuttingly disillusioned. Are we still expecting tourists to show up here? Well, the
3: board has convened, and we are officially on schedule. You know, I have to say, I think for a long time, though, this whole colony is going to be, you know, one gigantic lie. One great big reassurance that we can't support. Behind the scenes, that this threat of normalcy is just a whole lot beefier than it really is.
0: So nothing too far out of the usual human experience, huh? You're still in charge?
3: Well, until I'm defeated in mortal combat.
0: <laughs> you should meet with the congregation, too.
3: Uh, do I really
0: belong there? There's no law that everything has to be spiritual. It can be conscientious and good-intentioned, as you are. I'm willing to listen, at least. I know they are. You know, build the structure of normalcy.
3: Yeah, all right. I'll go. Anyway, um, yeah, you asked about tourism. Uh, I mean, tourism is on schedule, and that's going to be part of it. But, I mean, it's not just tourism that Copernica has been investing in. And some of the other profitable ventures are going to require more to make them work. I mean, I, I think xenobiology and xenopharma is going to be one of the biggest parts of this. And the whole reason we bought Searle's compo last year was really to just turn it into a xenobio firm to just tear through this planet. And last year or whatever, the, the year before we left Earth. We figured most of it out from home, but... Yeah? Yeah. What were you squawking about when I walked up on you?
0: Oh i recorded my thoughts about things, just for whatever it's worth. And I can't sort out what we dropped into. I don't know how the colonists... I, mean, I know much more than them. You know much more than them. I have an affinity for the clouds and... And recoil at the thought of the cavers. So I don't know how you feel. But I don't know enough to trust those reactions as insightful instincts, and I know I have a bias. One of the reasons I came here is my own pursuit of spiritual understanding, as you know, my wrestling with the deepest in me. And the spiritual nature I felt from the clouds has drawn me to them.
3: Yeah, I can't share in that. I can't communicate with them in the same way that you can. I mean, I think it's comforting to know at least what the cavers want. I mean, I kind of like them.
0: Literally? You're going to trade with the cavers? The guns? You like them?
3: Well, we need to know what's going on. I mean, I need you to go back to the clouds and find out why the left, why some are with the cavers, and if it's even possible for me to actually communicate with them. And, you know, I like them in the sense that everything about them is repulsive and offensive to human sensibilities. I mean, no, I have no intention of giving them guns. And worst comes to worst, our tech level is our survival. I mean, it's not in terms that anyone likes to put them but at the end of the day we can live because we can mow them down worse comes to worse or at least we can set up turrets buy ourselves enough time to get out yeah i don't think we want
0: that though yeah i'll go i want to obviously get to know the clouds better anyway i'll need a drone though and a bike
3: As long as you don't take my boat. Can't climb a boat you haven't named yet, you-
1: Sir, you asked me to remind you when I would be announcing the start of the live broadcast of Houston's sermon. Ah, yes. Thank you. You'll be attending?
3: Eh, I thought about it. Houston wanted me to go over and talk to that group now that he's back. And I haven't yet spoken to them as a group, and there are a decent number of people in that congregation at least relative to the size of the colony. And that, on top of everything else that's been happening, it feels like it's time. But it just doesn't feel right for me to go over for the whole thing. I figure I'd head over once they're done with the regular service, talk with them after. I don't know, Houston's not fire and brimstone in any sense, but... I still just can't set through these kinds of things. Anyway, thanks, Gangotra.
0: This is Houston's Sermon Hour on Radio Free Port Wallace. those candles. Good morning. (laughs) Some of you seem a little mad at me still. To those of you who are, I want you to know that I do not wish you a good morning, but I am sorry to all of you, not necessarily for leaving, but for not being here without much explanation or word. Journeys into the wilderness are a special thing for me, for many of us. Every flake of wood your hand runs over out there, every grain of dirt that collects on your body or lodges under your fingernails, every sneeze that follows the inhalation of some alien pollen is a special experience, both physical and spiritual I had an experience out there. I had experiences out there such as that, but I also had an experience unique to anything. At the time, anything I knew that any of us had ever experienced, and it was that which inspired me to stay out a bit longer to learn what we should know. And from what I've seen of the cloud beings, We should know that we are safe. They wouldn't be able to breach these walls. You are safe. From what I've seen of the clouds and cavers, we would be able to impress with our strength. We even found cave art. As Chief Administrator DuPont and I journeyed through those caves to meet their leader. These are not wild predators whose reactions to our presence will be instinctually deadly. And know also that as much as the darkness brings fear, we are not blind here. We can communicate with them. I can communicate with them. We are in a unique position, my friend. For we see so persuasively here that mankind is not the center of the universe, which says nothing about the God we should worship, but must give us pause in our conception of the breath of creation. We must consider ourselves as newly defined within that. Even if we already held the belief in the supreme likelihood of alien life, we now know this as fact. These beings may not have Jesus, the Buddha, Muhammad, Lao Tzu, Baha'u'llah, or Yarm Yagar. Long may he slap in goals. I believe when we last left, he was engaging in some gene therapy treatment. We can only suppose that he's still Prolific but these beings have their own ideas about the ultimate that which burns at the center of us all. And I intend to understand those ideas, to understand them. We should not make the mistake colonizers made not so long ago, dismissing indigenous practices as backwards or devil worship, but should consider their spiritual beliefs a new perspective, shining on the same ultimate reality we've all sought. I can tell you they seek it. I can tell you I have felt them seek it. It's important that you feel that, lest the potential of this moment be stolen from us by us. I don't have to tell you guys this, but you know that God appears to us as is appropriate for each of us, has appeared to us, as has been appropriate for those cultures and those time periods, offering us all some fundamental truths about the ultimate that. We here represent the body of spiritual beliefs born of human intuition and discovery. Now we've talked a lot together about our shared pursuit of a unifying teaching. We've shared our perspectives with each other so that our respective angles might give greater shape to the essence at the heart of all of us. In that pursuit, we've spoken of Hindu's Atman and Christianity's Christ, the vine from which all branches grow. And our scientists, our Impressive, cherished scientists have a sense of this too. They might not identify it the way the more spiritual among us do, but as science has unraveled the smallest scales of existence, have mapped the matter between matter, there's been the growth of an intellectual sense of something binding. And I want to take another moment Now, to thank them again for joining us here, those who have. Certainly, you don't have to do this. You make us better and more whole, and I'm ever appreciative of that. Before we begin today, if we could all please take a moment to pray Meditate, visualize, simply hold hands in silence. Whatever it is that feels appropriate to you.
3: Thank you for downloading this episode of the Still Human Podcast. This episode took a lot longer than usual to make, and we're sorry for missing our promised release dates. We took our time with this one, and I hope you've enjoyed the result. Please follow us on social media, at Still Human Show. You can also subscribe to receive email updates for new show releases through our website, stillhumanpodcast.com. And lastly, royalty-free music and sounds are the lifeblood of small creations like Still Human. We would like to thank freesound.org, the Free Music Archive, Kevin McLeod, Chris Zabriskie, Soft and Furious, and everyone who uploads raw material under permissive licensing. A full list of attributions can be found on our website, stillhumanpodcast.com.